guys, welcome to the Hacks Basely Show. My name is Basely Yorobi and I am the CEO and founder of Connectex Global. In this podcast, I will answer to the couple questions about tech, entrepreneurship, and life. Hello, Hanai, how do you feel? Hi, Basely, I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, so, all those people don't know me, I'm basically Roby, but today is not about me. I'm the CEO of Connectus Global, but today not about me. It's about Hanai. Hanai, can you introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Wesley. Thanks for having me. So, my name is Hannah. I am from Morocco. I now live in Kigali, Rwanda. I am passionate about many, many things in life, um, and uh, I, you know, I set up a... Um, a few entrepreneurial ventures back in Morocco three years ago mm-hmm. uh, after 10 years living abroad. Uh, so I was living the, you know, uh, the repat experience uh, of an entrepreneur, of a female entrepreneur in Morocco. Yeah. And now I moved to Rwanda uh, from which I supervise still the, the project in Morocco as part of the board of uh, uh, the, the, the Venture Duartec, which I'd love to talk about more. Yeah, and, uh, so much also <laughs> Will do. And I've joined also the Pan African organization, Smart Africa, wow. uh, as a project manager in charge of startups and ICT ecosystems for the continent. And I'm also very passionate about my mission uh, within Smart Africa. So that's kind of uh, what I do. And, uh, and uh, yes, uh, who I am, well, we're going to dive into it in, in, the, in this session. Great, great. So uh, another thing we must understand, so, and, and Hannah is a, a, my friend, so we are doing a lot of things. We are doing also a lot of expedition in San Francisco Bay Area. She do a lot of things for Africa. She's African, so she, she loves all, all part of Africa, and I, I, I love that. Uh, so what is uh, your ritual and routine when you wake up? I'd ask you this yeah. question. I ask all this question for all those uh, guests I have, but I want to point this question for you because I, I think you are some self-awareness you take care about you and I want just to I'm curious I want to understand what is the main point of your routine and ritual when you wake up or when you sleep also yeah so I am uh, the kind of person who thinks that uh, you know development or contribution to a community starts from within and uh, you have to very much uh, love yourself and respect yourself to be able to bring the best to the rest of the community. So I take very seriously my, my routine. Um, I have the utmost respect for my sleep and my sleeping patterns. Um, you know, those, the people that work with me know that I organize my schedule i have a lot of things to do but i very much organize my schedule to make sure that i get my eight hours sleep of the best quality so i can be uh, you know i can integrate every day and, and be ready for the next day and in the morning um especially during this uh, time of coronavirus outbreak i happened uh, to be uh, stranded at home but in a beautiful place in kigali and so i I wake up really early, like usually at, at six. Uh, sometimes these days I, I wake up, I woke up at uh, five, even Tuesday, I woke up at 4.15 uh, wow. and I even heard the, mo- the Moisin uh, 
uh, in one of the few mosques from in, in Kigali, we're still Ramadan here. I mean, mm. we're still it's still Ramadan in, in anywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of rare and very strange for me to live Ramadan in a country where you know the Muslim community is is a uh, is a minority. I used to live in France. I also lived in the U.S. where also the Muslim community is is a minority. But in in Africa, it's the first time for me. So uh, mm. the the Africa I've known living in Africa was Morocco in North Africa. So it's it's a bit strange and and very interesting for me to observe. So anyway, back to my uh, routine. Whenever I wake up. Uh, the first thing I do is uh, a series of breathing exercises. It's uh, from someone whose name is Wim Hof. He's known as the Iceman, and the series takes about 15 minutes. And the idea is to very much uh, reach uh, a few places in your brain with the, this uh, breathing exercise to elevate the level of uh, oxygen. And, uh, and that, out, uh, that has the um, effects on, on the pH level of your body. And yeah. apparently it's, it seems to be very, very good for your health. So that's what I do. And then I, right after the meditation, as per his advice, I, um, I, uh, I go into meditation properly. So uh, about 20 minutes. I like guided meditations because some people, I very much like to hear their voice. They take me into very deep inner states. Um, uh, in the morning, I listen to uh, uh, someone who has a channel on YouTube. Uh, it's called Courant Indigo. Otherwise, during the day, I also meditate and, and I hear a lot of Deepak Chopra. Mm. Um, but then right after my meditation, I go to swim and I used to swim like uh, about one kilometers. Now, every day I'm trying to push a little bit more. Um, and as soon as I'm finished swimming, um, then I get ready for my day uh, uh, and uh, I get dressed, uh, etc. <laughs> okay, great. But it's... Uh, is uh, yeah, it's part of my routine every day. Yeah, okay. It's a great routine. And do you uh, still keep this routine no matter where you are, in France, in, in Morocco, in US? Do you, 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 have, you f try to find every time a place to swim? Uh, or you sometimes you're going yeah. to have a place to <laughs> swim? That's very true. Uh, I mean, as much as possible. Obviously, sometimes you're a bit constrained, but whenever I have to travel for work, and if I have a choice, I actually choose to, to be in a place where there's a, there's a pool or if it's a place uh, close to the ocean, that's even better. Now, I have to say that I'm there now, but if you take me 10 years back, I wasn't there at all, you know? Mm. And so it's like layers that have uh, uh, cemented over time, um, but that keeps me very present to myself and I very much appreciate it now. Mm. Um, and I consolidate it, you know, sometimes whenever, I, for instance, I wake up with even more time before my next meeting or uh, my next engagement, mm. I, I add like a one hour yoga or Pilates. And uh, if I'm not able to do it in the morning, then I do, do it uh, during the day. I, I try to ensure that every day I get either one hour of Pilates or one hour of yoga. So mm. I can make sure that uh, I, I, I respect my, my body and, and uh, keep it uh, flexible and open. Okay, great. Interesting. So what is the, what is the three mobile hubs you use the most? I, 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 I try to know. But I want to just, just to be sure what it is. Um, 
Well, there, there are quite a few things that I, that I like to use um, in my, you know, in different segments of, uh, of my life. I like to, so obviously social media and I'm, uh, I, I like Instagram very much because I get to discover a lot of artists through Instagram or follow the artists that I know or even follow those people that have kind of like um, a sense of uh, sharing their story through images that I mm. like very much. I like SoundCloud a lot. Okay. And then, you know, in the series of, I'll actually, if you allow me, I'll add more than, than, uh, than I'll say more than three applications. Okay, I go said ahead. SoundCloud, also Bon Entendeur, and I'm a big fan of Bon Entendeur. They do this, these mixtapes. And I've uh, been looking uh, to uh, also, uh, you know, uh, use the mean of mixtapes to share content in, in a meaningful way. And I think it's very applicable for Africa for instance. And then, you know, some other apps that are actually useful. So for women, for instance, that want to tr trace their cycle, there's mm. Clue. And I like very much that tech uh, provides uh, more and more opportunities to, to um, you know, sustain uh, women's health uh, and, uh, and answer their, their needs. So uh, yeah, that's, that's about that. There's also, uh, I think it's called Sky, no, wait, I can't remember the name uh sky creeper no star walk yeah i love star walk actually it's an app that allows you to see like all the uh all the constellations all the stars all the planets the i like it very much because it, it sends me notifications also on you know uh things like uh full moon or super moons or uh uh when the, as you know astronomy information that is very useful so that i love very much okay cool interesting so okay um what uh how did that you define a uh, social impact because you told already about draw tech and i think that draw tech is not just about doing tech it's about also uh social impact uh what is what social impact mean to you and what is very important now right now to to do to have this kind of mindset absolutely so perhaps i should uh, first introduce the, the Duartec. Duartec is uh, was set up as a non-profit uh, basically to bring tech education to rural areas starting with Morocco and the approach at the beginning was very much exploratory because you know Morocco just like any other African countries we have a lot of challenges in terms of access to education in terms of connectivity and my own experience as someone who uh, was trained in web development, for instance, that was that it opened so many doors to me. And then I thought the only issue that I see at this point is that a lot of this knowledge is kept by the same uh, elite. Um, if you see like the Silicon Valley, a lot of people complain about the fact that most of the tech is done by uh, young white male from, yeah. uh, you know, the, tip, the usual Stanford and, 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 uh, and the series. And mm -hmm. it's not an issue per se, but the issue is that if it's restricted to them, then we have a lot of biases in terms of what we're creating, uh, what problems we're addressing, uh, how tech is actually, and especially in, in, um, in AI, for instance, we're creating and, and reinforcing biases over time. So I think it's very, very important to make sure that this tech education is provided to anyone in the world. And I think, you know, it's, it's a duty. It's a, it should be mandatory. I think if you, um, 
My perspective is that education should be accessible to everyone, and in particular, tech education, because in a few years from now, it's going to be criminal not to, to have taught people how this uh, device functions or how the web functions. Uh, that, it really breaks my heart when I see, um, you know, uh, people that are not able to read and write. I feel like uh, we're, give, we're doing the, them the, the worst disservice because the, the word is, is only going to get more and more complex. And if they're not being able to get the basic information, mm. then uh, most of their autonomy is, uh, is uh, doomed to, to be uh, given to someone else and they have no freedom. And that's mm. about it. So that's kind of my perspective on tech. Now back to Duarte Tech, what we've set up is a program that is comprehensive because obviously you don't just come in, in a vulnerable community where you don't have any roots or you don't have any contact and you, you, they're very restricted in terms of opportunities and you tell them, hey, tech is fantastic. No, you have to answer the challenges and you have to bring them not only the education for tech, but also uh, provide them with opportunities to enhance their business skills and perhaps understand how this tech that seems so foreign to them can actually be applied in their daily life and answer their specific needs. How a farmer in uh, the high Atlas mountains is going to be able to use apps or even have someone in their family, a youngster, develop something for him that answers his needs that are very tangible, very daily. So that's the idea of Duartec. And I'm very happy to share that the, you know, at the beginning was very exploratory. We've made our best to kind of become this platform of, trans, uh, of transferring skills, repackaging them, recontextualizing them. And now at the moment, we have 40 participants from two different places in Morocco that are going through a training that is a year long training that has business skills, tech skills, mentorship, micro work opportunities, and professional insertion when they're not uh, um, creating their own startups. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, I see the change. I've met them all, like I've met about 200 people and we've selected 40. And at the beginning, everyone was saying the same thing to me. Oh, you know, Dorof, Dorof. In Arabic, it means conditions. We have tough conditions. And I see people that are 16, 17, 19, 21. And, you know, it's a matter of sparking uh, of igniting this this uh, the spark in their eyes and their appetite for for uh, taking part in this uh, revolution mm. uh, and and giving them the opportunity to understand what can be their role uh, for their family for their communities for the for the society mm. and have access to this knowledge so that's the perspective of, of Duarte um, now for me. Uh, social impact you know a lot of people now talk about impact sometimes it's overused and misused because it's a it's an excuse to do the same old business uh, as usual you know yeah also and kind of bullshit to say yeah you do yes, social impact yes. you know you do social impact huh. yeah it's a category for corporate social responsibility and we take in and that's it or even in the aid industry oh we want to work with the social impact startup and then you know people par uh, package something that looks very fancy marketing wise and then they feel good about themselves because they're doing impact that doesn't mean much you know i think we need to be very careful very strict very demanding because impact means a lot it's about understanding that the purpose of any business is actually to make sure that it's 
beautiful in the way that it's serving human needs in the best possible ways. But when I say human needs, it doesn't mean that we need to ignore nature, not at all. It has to be completely integrated because the first need of human needs is actually to be in line with, uh, with uh, Mother Nature's uh, uh, priorities, you know, or, um, or I should say constraints or, or also just in some other constraints that are not to be changed. We cannot have a, a power over it. So I'd say for me, uh, we are living through a moment and perhaps it's gonna last a few years, but I feel like there's a, a change in mindset and the shift uh, and a lot of people are more, much more aware of the needs that we have now because there's no sense in doing this in the new capitalistic way we've been doing in the last 30 or 40 years, if we're doing a disservice to humanity. And so for me, that's about that. So it's about uh, answering our challenges. To me, it's kind of crazy that we live in a world where uh, some people do uh, have an opportunity to create cars like Tesla and some other people are struggling to get food. It, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. In, in many ways because there's such abundance and it's about uh, making sure that there's the right distribution system and uh, and people participate and have a chance to give what they have to give to humanity you know you and I for instance we were lucky to be born in family where uh, education was um, was a priority and there's yeah. no way we would have uh, not gone to school to be able to provide for money uh, for the family no mm -hmm. way. I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I was so, uh, you know, so into it. I got a scholarship and whenever I went to France, I was very much in this mindset. I'll get everything that I can get out of the scholarship. <laughs> I went to France. I went to the U.S., you know, uh, five degrees in six years, you name it. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it, it's, it also breaks my heart to see that so many talented people, will never be told that they have talent or intelligence or they have a capacity to bring something creative to the world. Whereas mm. it's very much what makes us human. So for me, it is a human right. And for me, when we're doing social impact, we're only putting in place the, the, the system that is right for respecting those human rights. Okay, great. Very impressive. So, uh, okay. And I think that uh, what all thing you mentioned is about like inclusive growth and and this particular aspect of inclusive growth, I saw you like take caring of the, the state or the place of women on this on this aspect, and uh, I want just to be sure what why for me though like it's very important in, in inclusive growth to have uh, a strong place for women because women is a part of everything about education is about you know. They, they they take care a lot about their baby and children, right? Um, and it's is a proof like when you have uh, when some men have married or have women in their life, they are more more or less criminal than other, right? And um, yeah, I want to know for you what why is important to have uh, to to think about that the place of women of in inclusive growth. What is important for you? What what the place of women mean to you? 
I think it's a, it's a, obviously a priority because we still have so many uh, situations of uh, inequality of access to those opportunities, especially on the group of women. Now, you know, from what I witness, it's true that uh, in, in the field of uh, social impact entrepreneurship, as, and especially in Africa, a lot of women have seen an opportunity to bring uh, their contribution. And my perspective on this is that uh, there's, we've, you know, traditional societies have put so much societal pressure over women on roles that they were, that were not suiting them because they were restricting their freedom so much and doing a disservice ultimately to society. And that is for like for decades, centuries. And now we've seen through the, 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 the impact of women that have fought for rights for their peers, uh, their legacy is that now we have more room to sneak in and, and uh, offer contribution. It, it doesn't mean that there's a fundamental change. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I can tell that as a Moroccan woman, I set up a company in Morocco. I've also set up a nonprofit. And all of this gave me a lot of exposure and I could speak to see other CEOs or public decision makers, which is also the case now as, as a as a you know, PM in charge of startups and ICT ecosystems. Yet in my own country, a lot of the legislation is against my, my basic uh, freedom. You know, I cannot, um, I cannot uh, get married uh, outside of, uh, of uh, you know, I cannot get married with someone that, they, that is non-Muslim, for instance. So that is an intrusion in my own uh, choice. I cannot have a relationship outside the wedlock. And that is a massive intrusion in my, in my own freedom and the freedom of my own body. Mm. Uh, you know, just before we spoke, I actually went to RDB, run the development board for um, a document, a proxy document, procuration. And the reason for this procuration is that uh, we're selling, uh, um, you know, uh, goods that belonged to my late uh, grandmother. And if you look at the heritage law in Morocco, just like in many Muslim countries, it's massively uh, unequal. unequal. Uh, women get half of what men get. And that wow. is uh, perhaps that, was, that has, um, like that had a rational at, at a certain time. But nowadays, women want to be able to contribute, contribute fully. And it doesn't make any sense that uh, an uncle or cousin or brother would have more than you. Because mm. actually, you perhaps are contributing much more because of your character, you know? And mm. so I think we need to be very aware that, you know, I hear a lot of people sometimes making those I would say lame jokes about the fact that yeah, feminists are everywhere, etc. Mm, it's mm. not the case yet. We still have a need to give this speech and to correct our functioning, our biases, because mm. sometimes the devil is in small details. You know, you found yourself in a very good organization or in a meeting or in a group setting with friends, and you know you feel like everyone is equal, and at some point someone will point out to something or you know, bigger decision-making uh, in, in life. If you speak to a lot of women that uh, are trying to become entrepreneurs or are entrepreneurs themselves, it's very hard for them to manage the, the, their personal life as well because, uh, well, you know, there's a social expectation on them taking care of their babies much more than their partner, for instance. And then I, I remember this French woman in Morocco that took the bootcamp that I've set up in Casablanca. Um, 
And her project was about giving an opportunity to uh, women uh, that are uh, spouses to expats to use their expatriation for an entrepreneurial journey because most of the time they're the ones that are following and when they're following they put an end to their career which is a, a loss for society uh, be it their the society where they're coming from or the society they're going to so i think we're not done yet with this topic we need to remember that you know i'm talking with about a space tech entrepreneurship or social entrepreneurship and it's rather you know there's more and more visibility over women etc but we need to think of all those women that are not even represented in this space. I mean, I live in a country and its neighbor country, DRC, uh, has a lot of problems in terms of um, militias. And mm -hmm. if you look at the, 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 the movie City of Joy, uh, it's about the, the effect of the war on, on women. Women are the first targets. The women are raped. Women, and whenever they're raped, their value, their societal value, perceived value, drops, and it's an end to uh, to their uh, possible contribution to their communities. So we need to be very aware of this. There's no, you know, we're not going to be done with this topic until all women are treated equally to men and have the same uh, capacity to bring their contribution. And that, I'm afraid, I feel is 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 still. Um, a big challenge for for humanity okay thanks so much so just remember we don't have a lot of time zoom sometimes don't give the how too much time sometimes you don't give out too much time they we have like nine nine minutes um i have two questions to uh to, before the ending uh, the, of the session um what's your perspective of of happiness or what happiness mean to you <laughs> i think we could speak hours about this um, <laughs> <laughs> that that why I, I I put the warning because I know I think you can take a time you know to talk about that. Right. <laughs> um, I'm a very happy person at the moment. Um, I'll I'll start saying that I'm very happy. I'm happy for a lot of um, good things in my life. I'm very grateful for you know amazing things that have come to me over time. I think mm. happiness is uh, a lot of times what we seek. As um, as human beings, and in a very rightful way, uh, those that are not seeking happiness are sometimes depressed. Or, uh, but most people that are healthy are seeking happiness and ways to to uh, reach this happiness and maintain it over time. And I think happiness comes from the balance of who you are internally and what you're able to manifest externally. Um, and what is bringing, you know, what life is bringing to you. So whenever I find myself extremely happy, it's because I am who I am and the people that are around me understand who I am and, uh, and we function really well with it. So my creativity is there, my character is there, my flows are there, my aspirations and my dreams are there. Mm -hmm. And life, you know, aligns with all of this. And at the moment, I feel very happy and grateful for that because Obviously, all the missions that I've given myself have filled me with a lot of passion and positivity. And I find myself every day able to contribute, but not just, you know, in terms of um, profession, but also just in terms like as a friend or as a sister or as a daughter. I am uh, in the capacity to be available emotionally. And that's because I... I probably did a little bit of work on myself to to uh, to you know create this space for for connection, 
um, that makes me really happy. I think it's, uh, you know, you can think of it as an equation or as a formula or something very sensitive, uh, mm. but it's definitely a quest. And I think it's a quest that I would fully uh, in, you know, encourage people to engage in because sometimes there's, there are fears. We're very close to this uh, happy place, but there are fears uh, within us and we let them define us, which shouldn't be the case. Um, and uh, I think it comes also from acceptance. You know, once yeah. you're in line with who you are, you're more open to, 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 the, to the possibility of being happy. Okay, great. So, so it's very great, very interesting. So, and I think that you, do, you give me some idea. I think I will create a, a, a series called Her, uh, the Hass Basley podcast, Her to focus on, uh, on women. Like I will invite all the women yeah. I know, you know, to, to just to, to jump in and deeper in the, in this topic. And I, I will uh, reinvite you again because you, you uh, have a lot of things to say, you know, uh, with pleasure. If I may suggest, uh, make it open to men as well, because I think these days are sometimes very challenging to them as well. As much mm. as women have been, you know, because they were a minority group or seen as a minority group and, and treated as such, mm. um, now they're fully taking this, or whenever they can, they're fully taking the space and, and uh, uh, flourishing and blossoming, and that's amazing. But the mm. reality is that it, the, the question we're asking is, is also uh, redefining masculinity, because I know mm. so many men that are uh, about happiness, we were just speaking about happiness, that can, you know, are stopping themselves from being happy because they are stuck in a notion and a definition of how they should be men. And I would love for them to have this chain, this chance and to create the space for redefining their masculinity okay. and do so in a very fluid way. We are human beings before we're anything else and we're complex and we're complex layers of identities and i would love for men also to have this chance to speak and to progress on on uh, on this topic i think you give me a great idea i think this session uh this uh series earl slash him i don't know what the inclusive the, the inclusive uh, way to talk about that for with men and women i think i will invite both uh, every time a man a woman and just together, you know, to have the perspective of men and the perspective of women, redefining the manliness and the womanness, right? Uh, great idea. Thanks so much for that. I love that. Uh, what's your final word? But it's not your final, right, final, because I will reinvite you again. Don't worry. That's, that will be a pleasure. Well, I think, Basli, I think um, um, in your audience, you have so many people from different backgrounds. Um, so I'd love for them to just uh, take this opportunity that is the current situation of the coronavirus outbreak to redefine whatever needs to be redefined to feel fully ready to embrace um, the change uh, that we're, you know, we're, some people are trying to create in a very positive way and for the sake of human, uh, human beings. So that's one thing. The second thing is I know some people that are listening to your podcast are from the African diaspora abroad. And I was there uh, not so long ago. And I would just urge them to take in, to, you know, to consider the idea 
of perhaps coming back to their uh, motherland uh, or finding ways to contribute other than remittances uh, or in addition to remittances. The reason why I say so is because for me as a human being, it's been um, uh, a massive learning curve and a very satisfying path so far. I've uh, reconciled so many aspects of myself and my life through coming back, through traveling throughout the continent and now uh, uh, living in Kigali. I love this and I would love for other people to experience this. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, we are building the future of Africa. The next decade to come is full of beautiful challenges to take. I'm so glad and I'm so proud to be part of uh, the Pan-African organization Smart Africa, the secretariat of Smart Africa, because we're doing amazing work and, and in, in the specific context of my mission for African startups and ICT ecosystems. And I can only encourage the African diaspora or those people that uh, define themselves as African and heart to come back or to, to give back, uh, or to, to give forward, as we say. Uh, so that would be uh, my ending note. And stay healthy and stay happy and, uh, and uh, stay connected. Okay. Thanks so much, Hanai. Now we are less than one minute. I will close this uh, conversation, <laughs> but we call you to say thank you again. Thanks so much. Uh, and uh, see you. Good job. Congrats, Thanks. Sebastian. Bye. Thanks guys for listening, please, please subscribe and share it. Share this podcast with your friend and your family. See you next time. Have a blessed day.